The last session of the day is going to be a panel discussion. Um, we did this instead of, yeah, Woolsey, invite, okay, here's Nikki and Chris Woolsey. They come, come there. Um, I know you're in the middle. Yeah, sorry. Um, my, my wife, Chrissy, is gonna come up too, and uh, Laura was gonna be here, but they have too many children, so um, that's not gonna, doing too many activities, that didn't work out, but we will miss her. <laughs> Laura, the Uber driver. Um, so we're going to do this instead of, like, you might think, oh, we should have a, you know, a Q&A would be great. Um, not really. Um, <laughs> mainly because, and you'll see as we go, um, the reason these people are up here is not because uh, they are the parents with all the answers, and it's not because they are the parents who've never failed at this. It's because they're just a bunch of parents who have experience and stories. Um, and for me... One of the best ways I've learned about, especially topics like these, but kids in general, is by the discussions I've had, honestly, with some of these same people, um, typically uh, at Scott's dinner table, um, just kind of talking about stuff. How does, how does this come up for you? What'd you, you know, how, tell me your stories. And so this is really more of a storyteller kind of time, um, where I'm going to ask everyone a few questions on those different topics uh, that I brought up in the resourcing section and see ways that we can learn from their stories. Uh, a Q&A, while it might sound nice, ends up really just being, I have a question about my kid. Um, can you answer that? And the answer is no, <laughs> I cannot. Um, but maybe my story can help. And so that's the idea here. So that's these are, if you don't know, I mean, you know, Sky's a pastor here. This is my wife, Chrissy. Uh, Chris is a pastor here. This is his wife, Nikki. Um, you pro we probably know each other. Uh, but if not, there's, there's the introduction. I'm going to sit down and I'll kind of moderate this and contribute from time to time, uh, though you might have seen me exhaust all my knowledge in the last session. So we'll see how that goes. Um, so here's what we'll do, guys. Uh, family dinner table discussion style. Um, I'll go through each topic. So sex, sexuality, and then gender. And the question will be the same for each. We'll, st we'll start with sex. And the, one of two questions. The first question is, um, how has the concept or the, the, the topic of sex in general, whether from anatomy, puberty, growing up, sexual ethic, um, why is it only in marriage, that, that kind of thing, sex and God, how has that come up? Ah, um, oh man, sorry, hold on. So the other reason it's these people, I just realized I got to talk. So uh, Chrissy and I have kids ranging from four years old to 12 years old. Got five of them. Um, Chris and Nikki, I actually don't know the ages. 15 and 19, right? Yeah, okay. I, I, I was going to say 20, but 19 still. Okay. And then Scott has fifth grade. I don't know how, is it 11? 11 to 17. So ideally, you have kind of almost every age represented. That was one of the other reasons it's, that, you know, these people and not other people. However, that being said, so given kind of our different experiences, but also kind of seeing different ages, um, for that general topic of sex, how has that come up in conversation and or in your kids' lives, whether proactively or in response? Like, what's it been like at different ages to see it come up in different ways? You know, what do you got? I'll break the ice with a funny story. Okay. Okay. So, um, I have a four-year-old and my oldest is 12. And my... Four-year-old, I was getting him dressed in the kitchen for whatever reason, and my 12-year-old, oh, because I was taking my daughter to, to school, and he was coming with us. And my daughter goes, Mommy, do you think he knows that he has different parts than girls? I was like, yeah, absolutely. Benji, <laughs> <laughs> do, what, uh, what's your, what is the name of your private part? He goes, penis. And then I was like, do girls have penis? He's like, no, they have a vagina. Yep. <laughs> And, yep. I, and I was like, oh, okay. And she's like, whoa, I didn't even know. He said him. it way too easy, and like way was, too fast. I was like stunned. <laughs> I was totally stunned, but I was also very proud of myself. <laughs> <laughs> you, you had that locked and loaded, but I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad he knew it, but it was a very quick. Yeah. I mean, I, I share response. that because our, I've tried to create a culture of um, an open conversation. If you have a question at any time, whoever's around, we're going to involve everybody. <laughs> 
appropriately. Um, and she, yeah. you know, I don't know why it crossed her mind. It was 7 a.m. Why does it cross a ch child's <laughs> mind to ask that question? Yeah. But um, that's, that's my break. Yeah, it story. comes up like that a lot. <laughs> what about you guys, Rosies? Hmm. I will say, you know, I love how you guys just acknowledge the fact that we don't want to have these conversations either, and it's very uncomfortable. <laughs> um, and thankfully, I don't know if you knew this about Chris and I, but we have a very, very important uh, major in college, and we spent money to get theater degrees. Um, <laughs> and so don't judge us, but, thank you. <laughs> don't judge us, but it really has come in handy because I vowed from not a- financially. Not, not financially. not financially. <laughs> not financially, but as a parent. Because sometimes you just didn't need to do your best acting. So I think all throughout their lives, I just kind of pretended that I was that parent. Yeah, let's have these conversations because I'm cool talking about it. And so that's kind of how we've approached it, which I think is helpful because now that they're teenagers, it becomes more like, mm, I don't want to talk about it. But they, but they know or they think. We fooled them enough times that we're, oh, we're the cool parent. You can like come and talk and ask these questions and we're not going to freak out. So I empower you as actors and actresses. <laughs> you don't need to spend money. Um, you'll do a great job. I don't know if that answered the question. It does. But, let, let me let's put them together. Because it's probably more helpful to do them together. The question is like, how has it come up? And then what are your kind of, what are the, what are the successes and failures? What are things that have gone well and not gone well? What are the stories you have about, like on this topic, talking about Please it? Please act. Kids? Sure. So um, the other thing is, is using every opportunity because these are awkward conversations you don't want to have them. They certainly don't want to have them with you. And so anytime you can have an opportunity where it's organic and it's not, doesn't feel forced or white knuckled and I white knuckle everything in my life. So like this is, is not outside of that domain. And so anytime I have an opportunity to have that conversation, just like you said, in like little five minute bursts, it's super helpful. I remember one time we were, we were driving down the road and Cassidy was always very protective of Connor in terms of what he was seeing, maybe in some ways, maybe even more than what we were. And, um, and we were driving down the road and there was uh, a uh, billboard for a gentleman's club, which is the least ironic way that that term is ever used. Um, and Cassidy said, Connor, don't look at that billboard with the woman on it. Uh, and, <laughs> and I remember Connor went, why does she have crazy hair? <laughs> and, and I was like, okay, well, maybe avoiding that discussion, you know, there's an appropriate way to discuss what that billboard was. And so we, we talked about it in the car. I was like, well, Connor, that's you know, blah, blah, blah. And we talked about why that isn't healthy for anyone involved. And what, and you know, he, and he wasn't so little that he couldn't understand what that meant and was, but it was just funny that like Cassidy really wanted to like protect him. But, you know, I hopefully used that as an opportunity because the subject was brought up um, and it was kind of funny. Because by the way, when you say don't look at something, they're going to look at something. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, and well, but yeah. the temptation is like, like, oh, he thought it was crazy hair. Phew, missed that one. Let's keep driving and move on real quick, right? Exactly. Like <laughs> now, on the other end of the spectrum, uh, we were driving by a store that was near our neighborhood one time, and Connor was probably too young to uh, have the discussion about what he was looking at, and he said, Dad, why did the mannequins in the front of that store all have masks on? And I said, because Halloween's coming, honey. And we just kept driving because it was not an appropriate time to have the conversation about why the store had masks in the window. But um, so, you know, I, I would just encourage you that whenever these things come up, even if it seems like, like, it's an, it, like you could avoid it, to lean in as much as is appropriate and organic and have those discussions because those little bursts of truth that we can pepper the day with are hopefully going to pay dividends in the future. So, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would totally agree. I think that a lot of the, the best conversations come in those organic opportunities. I think if, if I think about any of the mistakes I've made, I actually sometimes I've been proactive and it's been really helpful because we, we needed to have a conversation and it had been a while. Um, probably some of the biggest mistakes is when I force it, when they don't, they're not ready to have the conversation, don't want to have the conversation because it, it doesn't, like nothing sinks in in a moment like that. Um, however, I, I do, and so those of you who know my personality, this will be totally appropriate, but um, I, I, I do have a reminder that pops up on my uh, phone once a year to talk about the subject in case I haven't. <laughs> and most years I'm like, oh, actually we talked about that just a couple months ago, I'm good. But like, I don't know, every few years I'm like, oh man, it's been a year? I probably should. <laughs> and so, I mean, and, and it, even just the, the regular rhythm of that is helpful. I mean, similarly, story with, the other context we have is, is in reaction to the world, in reaction to everything else. It's also like in reaction to our own mistakes. Um, nostalgia gets us in trouble because we show our kids movies and things like that, that yeah. we're like, oh wait, I shouldn't have showed you that. Um, and Laura and I did this just in the last year. We showed our kids like one of our, and we introduced it as one of our favorite movies. And it, it, was, it, it was The Holiday from, um, you know, which is, a, I think, a great Christmas movie, very enjoyable. But we totally forgot about how immediately two of the characters have sex. And they don't like show anything, but like, it's like they meet and then like that night, and we're like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so we kind of like stopped and we kind of like made a comment and we like talked about it and we, I don't know, you know, we'll like, I don't know, fast forwarded something and we, you know. And afterwards, I was, it, again, it, afterwards, it was one of those opportunities where I was like, okay, can we talk about this for a second? And we, we have, as our kids have gotten older, and particularly if you have, you know, more than one kid, we have, as our kids have gotten older, tried to have conversations with a, multiple of them together and even with boys and girls together, because sometimes one of them asks a question that the other one really needs to hear the answer to, and it's a lot more natural <laughs> to, have it all, to have it all together. It's helpful for them to talk about it. It's helpful for them to answer each other's questions in ways that you don't have to. But this, this was, our, now it's like an infamous night in our family, and I don't think our kids are ever gonna be able to watch this movie again because... <laughs> This movie got followed up by a like hour and a half oh, no. family sex talk <laughs> where the younger ones decided now's the time we're going to ask all the questions we have and the older ones are like eh. and I'm like this is so great that we get to talk about this and <laughs> and it it was super productive um, but our kids are never going to watch that movie again so I guess win-win yeah. yeah. um, so the takeaway is Show them, show them show, movies you Show the movies that you don't, that you don't, yeah. But I, I, and I, I, I share it because I think sometimes we think we've blown it when we make mistakes like that, right? And in, in a sense, in retrospect, it was not the wisest choice I've, I've made. It was probably a mistake. But I think there's redemptive opportunities, even in our own mistakes, even in our own, you know, the... The, the decision to be like, oh, we're driving through Nevada. Like, let's drive down the strip and like, you know, you can see what Las Vegas is. Oops. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't have done that either. Um, I think they provide opportunities. Even our own mistakes provide opportunities to, to open the door. And I think that there is a unique dynamic to uh, having those conversations together. Even on the sex and puberty side, my... Lara has... Uh, just made it a point, and not like, um, not like awkwardly publicly so, but in our house, it's not abnormal to talk about menstruation. Like, because that's a normal part of life. And it's one that, you know, half the people in our home are women. And our boys need to know that every woman they know, every other girl in high school, like this is the reality of life. And so, Again, not like uh, poignantly or awkwardly so, but also naturally so to be like, okay, it opens the door to an openness to conversations and to questions. And also, again, to be a trustworthy source of information. Like, oh, everybody else seems to like hide and whisper about this. But I know I can ask those questions at home because it's actually normal to talk about it because this is human.
So. Yeah, it's like a subtle difference that's probably important to hold on to between I really need you as my kid to see the world a certain way and I really want to show you the way the world really is. Mm-hmm. And I think if, if, if we're, we're doing the second one ideally, and that's where I think for me my, my mistakes come, my failures come when I'm like, hey, like I just really want to check this box, make sure you see things the way I want you to see them. Um, instead of just like, I, I like that example because it's like, I don't know, mainly it's just, just kind of, <laughs> water's wet, <laughs> the sky's blue, like things are the way they are, and we should probably not ignore that or like be weird about it, but just talk about it. Um, that approach tends to, to, to make everyone more comfortable, even if it doesn't prevent failure. It just kind of like makes it a little easier. The other thing that um, I think is helpful in terms of truth, and I think that that is like gigantically helpful, that if if we if it, if our kids know that our home is an open place where we can discuss these things, it's great. It's also great if they know that we um, are a source of truth, so the things we are telling them is true. That's also fantastic. But I also think that there's a way, and I know so many parents uh, in our church family are are doing this, and uh, but it's uh, I think helpful to vocalize it that if our kids also know that we are a people of grace, um, that that also helps these conversations. I think if there are ways in which our kids observe us being not graceful, uh, whether it's in our politics or in the way we spend our money or fill in the blank, they're probably not going to think we're going to have as much grace with the questions that they might have about this topic as well. Well, dad gets really angry when people bring up political conversations. Maybe he's going to get angry when I bring up this question I have about sexuality or a friend at school or whatever. So I think it's super important um, that we show grace in all aspects of our family life so that when these subjects need to be discussed, our kids not only know that we are open that we are speaking truth, but we'll also have grace with, um, you know, what the truth or inaccuracy of what they currently believe, so that mm-hmm. we can actually have these discussions. Exclamation point, underline, highlight. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Can I ask, um, in kind of a similar vein, but uh, angled more towards the sexual ethics side? So I mean, we've we've had we've talked a lot about just like sex in general, puberty, you know, parts, um, like. You, you, but that movie is interesting because, like, you're talking about, like, yeah, they just, these two people just kind of jumped into bed together. I'm assuming that's that was a lot of the discussion, like, just kind of for the for the group, like, when it comes to not just like sex as a as a concept, but like, who should have sex with whom and why, um, in terms of like marriage or not married, those kind of things. Like, how have those conversations? How have you worked that in? Is it the same thing? Is it different? Is there any uniqueness there? Does it come up in a different way? Um, I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Are you bridging the gap into sexuality or are you talking no. specifically about just, just sexual ethics? I've just kind of noticed our conversation so far has mm. really been about mm. being honest about sexuality existing or sex existing mm-hmm. and not so much about like, here's why it's for marriage, like that kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, which seems to be one of the bigger issues that are at play now, even though the other ones might get more press um, culturally, like mm-hmm. that's a big deal um, and something that seems like we need to give our kids some kind of logic or grammar to why that's true. We're trying to do that in the conference in general, but I'm curious, stories-wise, like, have, A, do you see kids, like your specific kind of kids or like your experiences, do you see them, that being hard for them, challenging? Is it more kind of like, oh, that makes sense. Um, is it, does that change as they age? Is, how do friends, I don't know, I'm just very curious how you've handled that. That's a great, great question. Um, Currently doesn't seem to be, uh, not that they may hold other opinions that they haven't voiced yet. And, and I think that the, the way that at least the most common way that I'm able to like work that into the conversation with them is when we talk about God's purposes for anything uh, in our marriage, whether it's our finances or our the way we spend our time or why we are part of a church community or whatever. And then I'll try and work in, 
or our sexuality. And, mm. and I say, you know, God has very specific purposes for all of these things in our lives. Um, and uh, to the degree that we uh, are or are not obedient to those purposes is going to play out with, with circumstances in our lives. Mm. Or consequences, I should say. I also think some of the ways that they've learned the best have just been observers of life. And I see them learning so much from looking at the damage that sex can cause in the wrong situation. So they mm -hmm. see that. And then they see the, the value of, you know, God's purpose within marriage. They, they see this you know, because they're seeing relationships and um, what they look like. So I, I feel mm -hmm. like they almost learn best by seeing those examples. Because I think you can say things. It's very easy to say things. But it's sort of like the, um, you know, like, okay, never mind. I'm not going to think of the, <laughs> the saying. But it's like what you do is much louder than what you say. And I see them learning more from seeing what people do mm, in those experiences. So I, I think that's, a, I was trying to figure out why that's not a mm -hmm. big, like, controversial concept. And I, I think it's for this reason, number one, based on what they see, they're like, yeah, I want that, like, committed, yes. really close thing. That, that looks great. Mm -hmm. And I think in theory, it's not controversial. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's controversial until there's someone specific mm -hmm. they want to have sex with that they shouldn't. Mm -hmm. yeah. And all of a sudden, like, and so in theory, I think they don't need to be convinced. Yeah. In theory, they're like, yes, that looks best. Yeah. It, the rubber hits the road when it meets their experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think these conversations are only more important and more engaged as we talk with them about the ethics of dating, actually, mm -hmm. and what shapes them, what shapes who you date and why. Um, the if you're a committed Christian, why someone who shares both your worldview and your sexual ethic, right? Why that matters. Um, what to do when? Uh, what to do when we want marriage or love to be about how I feel? Mm -hmm. um, and so I think when the rubber hits the road in specific life is where that tension exists, where I don't think it exists mm -hmm. theoretically. I think theoretically, they're like, eh, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, until, you know, um, that until it doesn't. Yeah. Okay, that's helpful. All right, let's, let's move into the next category then. So from sex in general to sexuality, especially in terms of like orientation. Um, same questions, like how, how has that topic, how have you seen it come up in their lives, in conversations, whether reactively or proactively, and how have you seen it? How have you felt like, you, what are the stories of things going well and not going well? What are the things you've learned um, at our you know, various ages and things like that? Yeah, I mean, I think um, there's a number of things. I, I think similarly, things, again, don't go well when I try to force conversations. Um, and I think that in an interesting way, I take like 42 years and watching culture and you know all the information and I'm like, okay, how do I help you navigate this? And they're like, I, I'm not navigating this. <laughs> like I'm navigating life with my five friends. And so meeting them where they're at and trying to speak, understand where the tension points or questions they have about sexuality are within, they're actually much smaller bubble oftentimes than, um, even if they're in a public school, they're still existing in a, like a, a context that isn't every sexuality question that exists ever. Um, and they get exposed to different things in different ways, but I think meeting them where they're at is, in that sense has been, um, has been helpful. I, one of the things that I've tried to convey that I feel like has been helpful to come back to, and you talk about these simple senses, for the, for the record, your simple phrases like made me be like, oh, I needed these when my kids were younger. So helpful. Um, but one of the phrases I've come back to again and again was, is, is, the, is to teach them, particularly as they get older, that sexual desire can attach to anything. Like there's this weird aspect of our humanity that sexual desire can attach to anyone and it can attach to anything. 
This is why fetishes exist. This is why bestiality exists. This is why, like, and so in our humanity, to like teach them that that's an aspect of humanity, that in our fallenness, sexuality, our sexual desires can attach to like really anyone or anything, helps to lay a groundwork for, oh, well, what do I do when my sexual desire attaches to this person that God has said, actually, that's not how I've created, what I've created you for. It, it creates kind of an underlying assumption that says, well, yeah, that, that happens. And honestly, it happens to most people. Um, that it, it attaches to different people or things that, um, that are not how God designed it. And I, I think then allows us to uh, process the way forward. And in that sense, I think keep, keeps us out of trying to fight against like a specific label or a specific situation where we're like kind of fighting a cultural battle. And we're like, no, no, let's just understand humanity and the way we work. And I think that might actually help make sense of all the various isms that they're gonna come across. One thing you were saying earlier about the feelings, what's that thing you always tell them? Uh, our <laughs> Our feelings don't dictate our actions. Our beliefs dictate our actions. And We've said that often. <laughs> that's one of our uh, people are more important than things repeated uh, mm -hmm. lines in our house. Um, and again, uh, I think that's really important because, again, there's a million iterations of ideas that are going to be sinful that are going to come into our kids' heads. and. Uh, if we can, if we can sort, like, there was a great book written like 20 years ago, and I forget exactly what it was called, but it was basically uh, 10 things that are true that will not save anyone. And it was basically like all these biblical truths that are, that were great and, and cultural truths. But if I convince someone that abortion is wrong, that doesn't mean they're saved. It means that they maybe have a proper understanding of this one facet of life. But if I, you know, convince fill in the blank of the things that I can convince people that that are either wrong or right, but that's not the same thing as someone understanding and accepting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Um, and so um, I think it's helpful to avoid all the, the myriad iterations, and there's more every day of these fights that we can get into, these they cultural wars. go down wars. a million rabbit holes. Yeah, mm -hmm. and they're ultimately not going to lead to the salvation of our children. Um, and we can waste a lot of time and energy, and not that there aren't good things that can come from those discussions a thousand percent, but I think if we can keep our, our eyes on the, the bigger prize, um, I think that that's helpful. Hmm. I think uh, my kids are definitely not there yet, but um, a good example of beginning the conversation would be with my 12-year-old who one of the little girls, one of the young girls that she kind of has a little click with um, came out to her and she, she just came home so disturbed and distraught. And when I got down, when I kept asking questions, her sadness lied. She's like, mommy, I was happy for her. That, the, that she had received a valentine from a girl. And she didn't know how to wrestle with that happiness that she felt. And I, again, was like, it's our job to love people and be kind. You need to be kind to your friend. She's like, I, I, I don't ever want to go over to her house. And I was like, why not? I just, I just I don't know how to treat her. And, and I think her sister is, is non-binary. Like, there's just a lot, obviously a lot going on in this family, very different culture than us. And I was like, Baby, she feels safe with you. You guys have lunch together. Who else is she going to hear about Jesus from? She's, I don't talk about Jesus, but you live, you live like Jesus. <laughs> we'll get there. We, I was like, this is where kids start like yeah. discovering that there's more out there than mm -hmm. just themselves. And I was like, if you abandon her because she has a feeling for a girl, like, you know, you might be one of many chances, or you might be a chance. And maybe she, you know, she gloms onto it and she asks you more questions. Maybe she ignores it, but you're there on purpose. So that's like, 
the beginning of our kind of conversation. I, I think that's so helpful. And I, and I think that even connected to that, one of the, like, really just the really confusing and really evil components of our culture is it's overly sexualizing everything and hyper-sexualizing everything and therefore hyper-sexualizing attraction. Um, and so even just to give our kids, I've tried to give our kids multiple, relatively as they grow up, a category for attraction that isn't sexual and doesn't mean anything about your sexual orientation, right? Like you can be a girl who's like, I really like being around this girl. It makes me feel good to be with her. I want to be with her more. And not like, I don't have to freak out. They're like, oh my gosh, are you gay? Like, no, I, there are men in my life who I really enjoy being around, who I am like drawn to, who I am attracted. Like there's a category for uh, attraction that doesn't have to be sexualized or doesn't have to be turned in, into sexualization. And so even like our world doesn't have that category. It doesn't work in that category. And so helping to, I think one of the helpful conversations I've had over and over is helping to give them categories for, and both for their own attractions and for that of their friends, right? My friend says they're bi. What, what do you think they, they mean by that? Well, I, I think they like being around boys and girls. Well, I, I, I do too, <laughs> right? Um, so let's talk about that. And even in that sense, expose the confusion that their friends are feeling as confusion, um, as opposed to the clarity that our world demands of them with those things. So I mean, it also helps to like, it exposes how much you need to recognize that each kid needs different things at different times. Totally. And like we're talking about my 12 year old who's having this reaction that is very typical of my 12-year-old daughter. It's like, yes, she's going to freak out for multiple reasons about this, and she's going to have like this kind of very visceral, um, I'm, I'm a Christian, I don't believe these things, I feel overwhelmed that I don't believe these things, I'm gonna double down on the fact that I do believe them, but also freak out internally that I believe them. Like, I know that because she's my daughter. Um, I have other kids where that will not be their experience when they can have the exact same situation, friend comes out and, and they will come home with different questions and maybe not questions at all. Um, and so just kind of knowing that I think is, you know, kind of half the battle because how you react can't be cookie cutter. It has to kind of be tailored to what you know of that child and what's going on. And honestly, what you know of yourself and what you're going through in that moment. Cause you have, you're bringing your own fears and anxieties to that conversation. So you probably got to adjust around you. You might be a different person having a conversation with one kid than with the other. And so you got to do two different things just internal to you. Um, so it gets complicated, but hopefully not overwhelming because what I like about the way you always handle that stuff is there's, there's kind of a, a gospel core to it, which is like, you know what, Quinn, G Jesus never bailed when you were uncomfortable. <laughs> like, like it's, he, he stuck around, so you should probably stick around, you know? Um, and with other kids, it might be Jesus was wise, so you got to be wise. But whatever it is, like there's kind of a, there's a simplicity to drawing things back to Christ in the gospel that allows you to take things that are really complicated and uh, bring them back in line with the story we're living in of God and Christ and the spirit and, and the gospel. So I, I do like that part. I do want to underline that because I think my biggest mistakes with my kids has been when I assume all children are the same. Both of you are the exact same. I'm going to do the exact same thing with both of you. And that is not the truth. Just so you know, in everything in their life, every single child is so different and so unique and needs so many different things that don't apply to the other child, apply to other children in the world, but not them or whatever. Like, they're so unique. So please don't ever assume that there is a script or a cookie cutter way or whatever, because there is not. One more plug to, while I'm thinking about it, for like, the it takes a village dynamic of this. Like there are ways that I know that, uh, I'm talking about Quinn, my 12 year old, cause I already said her name, so why not? Um, they also, yeah, it's, I'm also, she's pastor's kid. Sorry guys. <laughs> Sorry kiddo. Uh, but there are things that she's going, I could say everything perfectly right. And she will hear it in like, I don't know, maybe even like a rhetorically worse way from someone in her life group or a life group leader, and that's what's going to do it. Like there's just a way that, one of the things I love about this church community and the way that we do family ministries and kids ministries is these life groups 
And as kids, I mean, it happens, it happens in the rooms, like during, during church, like the junior church and things like that in some ways. But as they get older and start to move from curiosity to experience, they're gonna have people around them, not just peers, but also people who are closer to them in age than I am, and yet far more mature than they are, um, whom I love. And that's gonna be where maybe a lot of it get, happens and praise God for that. Like, so there's, there's a way of leaving that it feels really overwhelming, but you, we really do have a whole, a whole crew together, a whole family together in this, where we make up for each other's weaknesses and failures. And I found that in my own life. For sure. So the other, the other week, Connor said something profound and I went, I didn't teach him that. <laughs> and I went, oh yeah, Abe and Jeremy did. <laughs> Great, all right, well done, well done. All right, <laughs> moving on. And I'm sorry I keep like highlighting things, but like the one thing I just really wanna tell every single one of you is literally thank you. Because it's not that, oh, I might cry. It's not that I wouldn't be alive without you guys, but like that's what it feels like. Mm-hmm. And so each and every one of you have spoken so much into our lives, but into the lives of our kids. And literally, each and every one of you, so. Uh, It's my job to cry on stage, (laughs) not yours. (laughs) Uh, Anything else on this particular topic before we move on? I'm happy to bounce around too, but, okay. All right, so then let's talk about gender. It's kind of the, the more culturally loud, the loudest cultural thing right now, probably, um, in, in this arena. Uh, you know, Chrissy mentioned, um, yeah, you know, one of Quinn's friends in sixth grade has a significantly younger sister who is non-binary. Um, and, or, it, it, I, I want to be so careful. Identifies on, that. Identifies it. I, I want to be careful on the one hand because um, there's a sense in which someone's so young, I think, Adults can look around and go, I wonder what that means in good faith, not, not in making fun or mocking or sort of like making light, but just kind of like in, in good faith, like, I wonder what that means to someone so young. Um, and so in that sense, but we're also seeing that those cultural winds kind of push down into those ages to the point where I think anyone would, would ask, hey, I, I wonder what that means, and even if they're very in favor of the entire movement itself. Um, and so that's like a, a culturally very loud thing that's coming up in kids' lives in a variety of ways. Um, how have you seen it come up um, in your kids' lives? How, what are the stories of learning how to talk about it? Um, wh- whether it's about the larger cultural conversation in terms of like transgender, or also the cultural conversation about gender itself and what it should mean kind of for individuals in society. I mean, so, I think this is tough because I think most of the mistakes I've made on the gender area is um, taking all of my concerns and trying to convey and make sure that they like know things straight. This is, this is probably one of the most significant areas where I've taught things and tried to answer questions that they're just not asking. <laughs> that like I read articles online and I talk to friends and I hear what's going on in the school and then like go have conversations with them and they're like, what? Okay, <laughs> I wasn't wondering, but thanks. <laughs> um, I wasn't wondering is a phrase I feel like they've said with their eyes to me so yeah. many times. <laughs> um, and that's not to say that we don't need to like, you know, be having these conversations and be sensitive and things like that. But um, I think this is one of those areas too, where I think what they're, well-meaning but misguided adults in their lives, in like the school settings and things like that, are doing things that are making their lives more confusing. Mm-hmm. And I think not only them, but they see it in their friends. They're like, those things that the adults keep talking about are confusing my friends and making them ask questions about themselves, making them insecure. And this is where one of those ways where I think God's, design and the clarity of it uh, has actually provided our kids like a, a respite that goes, oh, that, that's less confusing, not more confusing. A lot of the adults that I'm, I hear talking about are making things more confusing. This seems less confusing. Now, again, that's not a blanket, like, not, that's not every kid's experience, but I, I do want to be, I want to be uh, wise and prepared 
without uh, trying to over-explain, because sometimes when we over-explain, they're like, oh, is there, is there some reason this might not be true? <laughs> right? Is there some reason the things that make sense to me that you say, like, I should question? Um, when they actually do um, God's design for gender and the, I, I don't even think our world knows what it thinks about gender. And I think most people are confused and scared to talk about what they think about gender. And it's just, a, a, of all these areas, it is the, the most kind of, I, I think, just up in the air and fraught. And so, um, fascinatingly, I think that our, our kids have a, a safety in that. Now, I think that, that one of the ways that we can also, or one of the ways I think that has been helpful in talking about that is, less directly about the issue of gender and more simply taking opportunities to affirm their gender. Um, to take aspects, and you never correct someone into uh, a vision for their life, <laughs> right? Like that, that rarely ever happens. Like, hey, be more manly usually doesn't like make people more manly. Like be more feminine usually like doesn't make anybody, <laughs> isn't uh, in gender godly womanhood. <laughs> um, but seeing what someone does and being like, hey, that son, that's being a man, right? Even if it's like in a, particularly if it's in a way that the culture doesn't usually recognize. Like being sensitive and caring about your sisters and like being brought to tears because you're worried about them, to hear, hey, that's being a man. Like affirms them. To, to have a, uh, to, to be able to have your daughters hear affirmations of their womanhood, maybe particularly in ways that the culture around them might not affirm that that is connected to godly womanhood. Um, I think when I'm able to do that, it's, that's, those, are the, those have been the most fruitful moments. Um, and when I want to teach them about gender issues and make sure it is usually the times that I hit a brick wall or feel like I'm just kind of spinning my wheels. So at least it's been my experience. Um, I will say with one of, my youngest, one of my youngest kids, she was commenting over and over that she didn't want to be a girl. And it started, the com she started kind of saying this on and off when she was four and a half, five. And instead of panicking, which I would, I'm prone to do, I kind of just asked a lot of questions. And the root of it was she figured out where babies came from and how they were birthed, and she didn't want to go through that. <laughs> understandable. So again, I was talking to my kids about sex a lot. I also may have traumatized her. <laughs> so I, I would encourage you to always just keep asking questions. And, and like Scott and Brian said, don't answer a question they're not asking. Um, she still does bring it up. And most of her friends that she runs with are boys. She's very rough and tumble. She, you know, I, it would be easy for, you know, my mom friend to look at her and be like, hmm, you know, what does she identify as? She identifies as a girl. She's, she's, a, she's a girl. Um, but I just have to remember that even though, you know, she's interested in playing with boys and she says, I don't want to be a girl, that's not actually what she's saying. She just has this anxiety about this traumatic thing she learned about around age four and a half. So. I think uh, one of the other, uh, just to bring it back uh, to the gospel again, there was a time when we were, when Cassidy was very young and we were walking in a mall in Beverly Hills and there was a Beverly Hills wife there that had clearly had a ton of... Uh, plastic surgery done. And I don't even think I said it like intentionally. I just kind of murmured it under my breath as we were, as we had already passed her. And I was like, scary. And, and that, which was awful. And as my kids often do, uh, my daughter unintentionally pressed me on it. And she said, uh, she's not scary, dad. She's sad. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. It's back to normal, guys. Yeah. It's back to normal. It's okay. <laughs> and um, and it was just a, a great uh, reminder that 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 was a person that God loved very much, 
And for, for me, sorry, <laughs> for me to uh, talk about that person in that way was uh, reprehensible. And um, so whenever these subjects come up and whenever we have discussions about gender and it's super frustrating because we live in, as you guys continue to bring up in this conference, live in a society that will speak two truths that are absolutely against one another and, and do it with uh, a straight face. It's so frustrating, but to rather than battle that every time, I often will try to steer the conversation to these are our people who are loved by God despite the choices that they've made. I'm glad you brought that up <clears throat> because that informs what I was trying to think about. And I think in my experience with them growing up and in experiences that they've had with maybe kids who are saying that they want to be something else or whatever, um, I, I haven't noticed a confusion on their part about who they are or whatever, but I've noticed a, it doesn't change the way I love them. And I think by bringing it back to that, that's sort of like where they've landed. Like it doesn't, sure I may know this about myself and this is my friend and I'm going to love them the same way, whether they said this or this or whatever. So I, I do think that's a helpful place to bring it back to. Any closing thoughts? You know I have some, but I'll let you go first. I, I, I guess in that, like, I don't, I don't want to downplay how damaging our world's uh, attitude towards gender is to kids. Like, it's, it's heartbreaking. Um, the confusion that it is begetting and the, um, the lengths people are going to reinforce it and reinforce that and the, and the damage that is on, on image bearers, the mutilation that brings about on, upon image bearers. So I don't, I don't want to downplay that like, oh, we just, you know, I, I, I need to be nice to them. At the same time, and, and, and that, those are how we engage with that as adults in our world and in our workplaces and are, are all sorts of interesting questions and, and important ones. Um, I'm just afraid that we can take that, like, that battle stance and then turn to our kids and be like, we need to talk about this. Kind of still in that battle, like that, uh, that protective, mm -hmm. which I think that there's an appropriateness to it, but I, I, you guys keep bringing us back to the gospel. And it's so, it's so refreshing for my soul because it reminds me of the, redempti the, re the redemption I've experienced and the redemption I have to offer to them, and the fact that our wisdom on these topics flows out of that as a great, like it's a, that whatever wisdom we have was a grace. It's not because we were smart enough to figure this out or because we were like lucky enough to like, you know, be in the right place. The, the, even the way we see the world is just God's grace. And to impart to them him, mm -hmm. um, is, is what, in, in that sense, this comes back to more than, you know, it getting the things or the specifics right. Or, and so, I don't know. That's a little bit of all over the place, but those are some of my, my closing thoughts. Well, all right. Um, so a couple of things. One, uh, I think it's clear um, not just <clears throat> kind of the, the, the power of hearing people's stories and hearing people talk about it, but the uniqueness of the stories. Um, and I wanna make clear that um, you've just heard a bunch of stories and reactions and parenting kind of counsel from people who, ha especially in these last two topics, that um, do not have kids that have moved in that direction. So no one on stage at this point um, has communicated any like, like struggle of like, oh yes, my, we're talking about how to, how to help kids deal with other kids 
who are feeling like uh, they might be attracted to the same sex, or other kids who might feel like they're uh, not at home in their body, that, you know, that, that's a boy or a girl, um, with adults who are talking that way. Um, that's because that's, you know, what we're on the stage are sharing. That's, I want to make just very, very clear that there is room in this church for kids who are struggling with that. Um, and so if there were different people on stage, you might be hearing different stories. And that doesn't mean that these stories are the only ones, are the, the normal ones, the ones that your kids have to fit into. Um, it does mean that we, it takes a village. And that means also, connectedly, that you should have your own conversations around a table with other parents, um, whether spiritual or biological or adoptive, on these kind of topics. Um, this is just one snapshot of what could be yours in this church community, um, and hopefully that's already happening. But I highly encourage you to not think that, okay, the panel has said the definitive word on, on these things. We've learned what we can from these stories. Um, it's, it, this is the kind of thing that we do with each other all the time. We just can't typically do it in one giant dinner table with the whole church because they don't make them that size. And so uh, ideally you can leave here and also be able to continue these conversations going forward. Um, there is a lot here. Uh, there's a lot of other content available, a lot of resources, but Scott's last word um, is the right one. Uh, we don't parent our kids out of our own strength and our own wisdom and our own power. That's parenting in the flesh. You're not supposed to do that. Um, you're supposed to parent in the spirit. And that doesn't mean squeeze your eyes really tight and hope that God gives you the right words to say. <laughs> It does mean parenting by faith. It means parenting by faith and parenting in the community of faith and parenting as though God is real because he is and as though he loves you and your kids because he does. And so that's the main takeaway of all the, these things are just fuel um, that can be used by the spirit uh, to go to work in your heart and your kid's heart. But that's the game changer. He's the difference maker uh, and he uses us and these things the ways he will. And so to him be the glory and put your faith on him and not anything else, and we'll walk forward together. So thank you for coming. Um, let me say a prayer, and, uh, and we'll be done. Great, Lord. Parenting is, um, I feel like, mainly a battle with fear and pride. And so much of our struggles... Um, are struggles of what might happen, uh, of struggles of how little control we have, struggles of worrying that we are not sufficient for our kids. Um, and I thank you for the good news that we are not sufficient, but you are. Would you help us parent that way? Would you help us live that way in our own hearts towards you, towards others, and even towards ourselves? And would you let this time we've spent together this morning be a blessing uh, that you use in the lives of the kids in this church and honestly in our own hearts and lives to draw us closer to you in faith. Help us as we go. Remind us uh, that there's nowhere we go that you are not and that your love for us uh, never fails. So we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.